It is Monday, January 8th, 302 days away from the presidential election here in America. Also, the full House of Representatives, a big chunk of the Senate, will be up for election. And I believe the future of America. That's what's happening. Not like it's important or anything. So many places to go today. It's a brief podcast today, and uh, we're also going to get Jim Stovall in here to kick off the new year. I haven't talked to him yet this year, so I'll be uh, wishing him a happy new year and getting some of his winner's wisdom to share with you. Had a busy weekend this past weekend. I did, I did listen to the entire hate-filled speech, no policy speech, just anti-Trump and anti Mega republican speech out of our president, Joe Biden. I will tell you one thing. They found the cocktail. They found the correct mixture of whatever it is, Prevagen, Red Bull, caffeine, chocolate chip ice cream, whatever it is, he was capable of delivering a 30-minute speech without any major fumbles. I, I know it had some questions about what he was talking about, but notice there was no policy there. Nothing about what the... Uh, the second year, second term, second year, God, the second year was bad enough. Second term of Joe Biden would be all about nothing. So uh, this is the plan. They're just going to go after Trump because they think they believe that Donald Trump is going to be the nominee. And we'll find out just about a week from today as the Iowa caucuses are a week away. So that's kind of what that's about. Uh, Joe Biden traveling today to South Carolina to deliver another divisive speech. And uh, we'll get to that because there were some very interesting comments from James Clyburn, Representative Clyburn from South Carolina. The guy kind of credited with putting Joe Biden into the position to be president. It was Clyburn's endorsement that is said to have pushed Biden over the finish line in order to get him to the nomination for 2020. It seems like that's correct. And uh, Clyburn, again, will say some stunning things. We also have an update on what the real agenda is for the border. Last week, Thomas Massey, one of my favorites in Congress, Thomas Massey proposed an amendment to the Constitution that would change the way we apportion congressional districts. Currently, congressional districts are apportioned based on the people who are living in those districts. It doesn't say citizens, and it should say citizens. But the, the states, the districts that now have a whole bunch of folks living in them, many illegally, could get more congressional seats because of illegals. And if we're up to 8 to 12 million people just since Joe Biden's been here, that's a whole lot of new congressional districts. Massey has it right. It should only be citizens, only citizens. And to let you know that the, the left understands this, Brooklyn Democrat congressperson, her name is Clark, last name is Clark, actually said the quiet part out loud earlier today. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. We have a diaspora that, that can absorb a significant number of these migrants. And I, that, you know, when I hear uh, colleagues talk about, uh, you know, the, 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 the doors of the inn being closed, 
um, no room in the end. I'm saying, you know, I, I need more people in my district, but just for redistricting purposes. And those members could could clearly uh, fit here. Yeah, that's what it's about. They want more voters. This is all about getting more voters. And uh, thank you, Congresswoman Clark, for speaking truth, even if you weren't planning on it. AOC's out there, too. Uh, she's making appearances. No real media organization, no serious news, national news show will have her on. So she was on Comedy Central on The Daily Show telling everybody what this invasion at our southern border is all about. It's all about voters. It's all about getting them citizenship. From all parts of the political spectrum, one of the biggest issues that we have when it comes to immigration is the fact that we have an undocumented population. Mm -hmm. Now you can fix that by trying to build a wall or you can fix that by trying to document people and create a path to citizenship. Well, see, I would build the wall and then try and have a process for citizenship that could work. But if, if you're in the Comedy Central audience, the applause light goes up when you hear path to citizenship. Citizenship. And, um, yeah, yeah. We'll have folks that might say, look at these systems, you know, that our shelter system has weight and things like that. But one of the reasons that our public systems experience weight is because people don't have a documented and reliable path to work and sustain themselves. Just well, you know, if they'd only hung on to the documents they had when they got to the border. But we know from going through the trash at the border, they've been throwing their passports and their paperwork aside just as they cross into the United States. Then we have to we have to take from them whatever story they make up about themselves. Now, I'm, I'm not saying all of the people who are crossing our southern border are here with nefarious intent or fake histories, but enough, enough to be concerned about it. But the Democrats want to expedite the path to citizenship for all of the people in this country illegally. They just want us to say, okay, well, we, we can't have them waiting until 2031. Let's just grant them all citizenship. And then guess what? 302 days from right now, they'll all be voting. And guess who they'll be voting for? Of course, they'll be voting for the people who gave them citizenship. It's a little disturbing. More than a little disturbing. <sighs> exhale. Exhale. But uh, it, it's fascinating to me how this is working out. I also saw AOC was on uh, with Marsha Kramer in New York on a local news program, and she's pushing for a wealth tax. They all want a wealth tax because they think uh, unrealized gains. You know, the markets go up and down. And when the markets are at a high point, the AOCs of the world and the uh, Elizabeth Warrens of the world and the Bernie Sanders of the world talk about the unrealized wealth and we need to tax it. Even though if the market goes down tomorrow, you would lose that wealth. And that is what happens in the market. It goes up and down all the time. These people are really troubling, aren't they? Very, very troubling. And, and they are now starting to tell the truth 
without any concerns about it. They think that they've got this game in hand. I go back to when when Barack Obama was talking to America about what he wanted to do to this country. I know some people say for this country, but we go back to when uh, it's like 15 years ago. Barack Obama was telling us, you know, uh, uh, you got to learn to speak Spanish. Your kids got to learn to speak Spanish. I, I, I don't understand when people are going around worrying about we need to have English only. They, they want to pass a law. We want just uh, we want English only. Now, I agree that immigrants should learn English. I agree with that. But but wait, wait, wait. Before he gets to the but and it's a big but. Why didn't he push that then? If he really believed that people coming here to America should learn English, why did he not push that? Because he didn't mean it. Here comes the but. Understand this. Instead of worrying about whether uh, immigrants can learn English, they'll learn English. You need to make sure your child can speak Spanish. Now, uh, he said uh, immigrants will learn English. Will they? Will they really? Then why does the New York DMV have the driver's license test available in more than 30 languages? 30 languages for the New York DMV. They don't really care to learn English. They'll learn enough to get by, and many people speak a different language at home. And as we know now from the New York City school system and the fall enrollment, more than 50% of the new students speak English very little or not at all. And you have to bring in people that can speak to them in order to provide the mandated education for these people. Let's hear the rest of what Barack Obama had to say about, you know, telling your kids they need to speak Spanish. And if they don't, uh, that would be that would be just a terrible thing. They'd be I guess they're racist. I wonder if Obama speaks Spanish. Anyone remember him speaking Spanish? You should be thinking about how can your child become bilingual? We should have every child speaking more than one language. You know, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing when, when, uh, you, when Europeans come over here, they all speak English, they speak French, they speak German, and then we go over to Europe, and, and all we can say is, merci beaucoup. You know, he talks about kids learning another language. Did Sasha and Malia learn a second language? I wonder. Maybe if they had domestic help who spoke a different language, maybe they would. I don't know. But I've never heard Barack Obama speak a second language. He would occasionally remember one line when he was visiting another country and parrot it back to them. George Bush spoke Spanish. But I think that's the last president I remember having second language skills. But this is all about, and he was hinting way back then, 15 years ago, all about warning us, warning us, yes, you're going to have to speak Spanish. And I'm worried if we're going to have to learn Mandarin Chinese based on some of the immigration numbers we're seeing. It's really disturbing. 
Now I want to get back to this uh, thing, Joe Biden going to be in South Carolina today. Uh, Ahead of that, Jake Tapper on State of the Union yesterday had James Clyburn on. And he was grilling Clyburn about uh, black voters and the polling that we're seeing that black voters are running away from President Biden. He asked him if he was concerned about it. Are you worried about it? And try and make sense of of Clyburn's answer here. How, How worried are you about black voters showing up for President Biden in November? Well, I'm not worried. I'm very concerned. And I have sat down with President Biden. I don't know. I saw those reports. I've also seen at least one report indicating that I have sat down uh, with President Biden. And I did. Wait, 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 whoa. Can somebody explain? What was that? Has he been hanging out with Kamala? He was asked if he's worried about the decline in black support for Joe Biden. And he said, I'm not worried, but I'm concerned. Huh. Is there a difference? Really, is there a difference? But that's when it gets weird right after that. It's like we witnessed some sort of aneurysm right there on television. Uh, Jake Tapper asked the question, are you worried? Yes, Congressman? Well, I'm not worried. I'm very concerned. And I have sat down with President Biden. So I've sat down with President Biden. Okay. You sat down with him. Did you tell him you're worried? He continues, and, and this is uncut, totally uncut. He said, I sat down with President Biden after he said, I'm, I'm concerned, but I'm not worried, which is kind of silly anyway. With President Biden, I don't know. I saw those reports. I've also seen at least one report indicating that I have sat down uh, with President Biden. Wait a minute. So you just said you sat down with President Biden. And then you've seen a report that said you sat down with President Biden. Anybody worried at all? And I did. Uh, oh, okay. Him, uh, and I've uh, told him what my concerns are. I have no problem with the Biden administration and what it has done. My problem is that we have not been able to break through uh, that MAGA wall in order to get to people exactly what this president has done well i think we see what this president has done i think we all feel it in our wallets every stinking day what this president has done that was really weird wasn't it yeah that was really bizarro i was i was taken aback by that a little shaken by that i'm I'm very worried for Clyburn. maybe we need to check in on him like the way we need to check in on our Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, who went in for an electric, electric, <laughs> an elective surgical procedure and went home and then something went terribly wrong and he had to go back and was admitted to the ICU, but he didn't tell anybody at work. Basically said, I'm going to be working from home. So he told the second in command to take over, but didn't tell anybody he was at the ICU for days. He's still in the hospital as of uh, this morning, Monday morning at Walter Reed. But why wasn't anyone told? Seems to be a dereliction of duty. And now the White House has said, well, based on his his past accomplishments, we're not going to get rid of him. Why? It seems to me that that really is an egregious 
breakdown of how things should operate. The Department of Defense of the strongest military on the planet, the head of the Department of Defense, was MIA because he was in the hospital following an elective surgical procedure. Was it a cranial rectal removal where he took his head out of... Okay, you know. It doesn't make any sense. And this guy, he's number six in line of succession to the president. He's sixth in line in succession. Right after Janet Yellen. Boy, when you when you want to see how weak this administration is, you look at the line of presidential succession. The only one in there I feel comfortable with is the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. The rest of them, I'd be like praying night and day for America. I wouldn't sleep at all. It's amazing. But the Secretary of Defense to go missing in action. I'll just tell them all I'm going to be working from home. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Yeah, meanwhile, uh, Israel has now killed today a huge Hezbollah commander in Lebanon. In Lebanon. So now the war moving out of Gaza into Lebanon. And we all should be a little nervous. Secretary of State Antony Blinken trying to calm things down. We don't know what's going to happen next. Uh, This could light up Iran. This could light up Hezbollah. This could light up the Houthis even more who are severely putting the clamps on travel and uh, shipping out of the Red Sea. So while Biden is trying to tell everybody everything's great and Clyburn's trying to talk about all the wonderful things that Joe Biden has done and accomplished, uh, we see the reality. We see the truth. And Joe's going to try and divide us. One of the things from his speech on Saturday that really bothered me was the, uh, the ignorance about the alleged insurrection, which really was a three-and-a-half-hour riot at the Capitol by a small portion of the hundreds of thousands of people who were there to hear Donald Trump's speech. And um, the fact that we don't teach real history. We don't teach the real history of, of the previous attacks on our Capitol. I'm old enough to remember 1971 when the Weather Underground, domestic terrorists called the Weather Underground. They wanted, uh, they wanted government action to stop the war, but they were not above uh, waging war on our uh, political system by planting bombs in government buildings, taking uh, complete credit for it. And by the way, the Weather Underground started by Obama's pal Bill Ayers and his wife Bernadette Dorn, or Bernadine Dorn, but uh, 1971, the U.S. Capitol bombed the same building that was stormed by these these crazy people on January 6th was actually bombed by Democrat radicals who are still, they haven't spent any time in, in prison for bombing it. Bill Ayers had charges against him. Uh, of crossing state lines to destroy property and create civil disturbance. And those were dropped, even though he admitted to bombing the Capitol building. And it it made the news March 1st, 1971, ABC News, Harry Reisner reporting. At one minute before one o'clock this morning, the switchboard at the Capitol received a phone call. A man's voice said a bomb would go off in the building in half an hour. 
At 1.30 in the morning, it did. In a small, unmarked restroom on the ground floor of the Senate side, next to a barber shop and near several small offices, including one committee hearing room. Now, this is a report about an actual bombing that blew up inside the U.S. Capitol right under the Senate. And it blew up one of those Capitol hearing rooms where currently Democrats have been filming uh, gay porn videos because, you know, they have no respect for our government. But let's go back to the 71 report on this. This was mainstream media when they used to report on this stuff. For a report on the first serious damage to the nation's foremost structure since the British burned it in 1814, here is ABC congressional correspondent Bob Clark. Now, before Bob Clark starts talking, again, this is the first serious damage to our nation's capital in decades done by Democrats. There was alarm for a time that other bombs might still be hidden inside the Capitol. Police used dogs specially trained to sniff out explosives in a painstaking search both inside and outside the building. The single bomb set off by a timing device left the men's room a shambles, bombing demolished, bricks and plaster ripped from walls. Army and FBI experts sifted the debris, seeking a clue to the nature of the explosive. There was heavy damage to the nearby barber shop. Windows were smashed there and 100 feet away in the Senate restaurant where tables were overturned and a priceless stained glass mosaic destroyed. Now, a couple of things here. Way back in 71, we had a barber shop. I'm just getting a little tired of how we have treated our elected members of Congress, the House and the Senate. They get a barber shop. They get a dining room. Trust me, there's more than one dining room. Uh, We have created a royal class that our founders would be cringing at looking at this. The people who perpetrated this, Bill Ayers, never did any time in prison for this. Not one day. And in 2014, he actually went on Fox News with Megyn Kelly and was smiling as uh, she asked him questions about it and he admitted to it. While underground, you stole... You lied, you hid, right? We Any hid. disagreement? Right. You stole. Onward, yes. Yeah, you did. You wrote about it in your book. We stole. We stole ID. You That's stole. True. You stole purses. You stole wallets. Well, yeah. You stole money. Some. You stole. You ripped off dead babies' identities. Right. Yeah. I, I'm just getting to the 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 part of this where he's going to admit bombing, but even before that, this guy is smiling, admitting to have committed crimes. And he is the man credited with starting Barack Obama's political career in his home in Chicago. And he's still out there, especially after admitting to the bombing of the United States Capitol. And yet the violence continued just because you went underground didn't mean the violence stopped. What violence? Well, June 9th, 1970, you bombed the New York City Police Headquarters. Okay, so now again, you're March 1st, equating, let me just, let me just list it. Yeah. March 1st, 1971, you bombed the U.S. Capitol. May 19th, 1972, you bombed the Pentagon. January 29th, 1975, you bombed the State Department. Now, bomb the NYPD headquarters, bomb the Pentagon, bomb the Capitol, bomb the State Department. And he's saying, well, you know, since there was no 
damage to humans or human lives were sacrificed. It's okay. We just broke stuff. I'm sorry you bomb a building where people are working. Yeah, we have people in the Capitol 24 hours a day. The NYPD operates 24 hours a day. There's always the risk that uh, you could have hit someone. He's going to say, oh, no, 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 no. We just broke things. We just broke things. It's amazing. In 1983, the U.S. Capitol, the Senate side, had a, a bomb go off to protest the U.S. military involvement in Lebanon and Grenada. Uh, Bill Clinton commuted the sentences of those two offenders in 2001. We have had uh, people inside the Democratic Party who've been working to overthrow our government for decades. And now they have managed to make policy to allow people to invade our southern border by the millions. And if you dare say that uh, it's an invasion or even a crisis, you're going to be in trouble. You know who's going to be in trouble? John Fetterman. This past weekend, Fetterman actually used the C word, crisis, to describe the situation at the border. There's a crisis at the border, and uh, I don't know how anybody could pretend that there isn't. You want to bet somebody grabs him by the throat and says, listen, you want any support for re-election, which is still a couple of years away, uh, you better play ball. He said we, we need to take land away from China. We need to fix the border. He said Menendez needs to go. Uh, he sounded like a... Like a Republican. He's not. He's still a Democrat. But it's amazing to me. Watch what happens. Just watch what happens with the Fetter monster. Because he's going against the party. With a capital P. Capital P. Uh, other things I'm watching, but we need more details on. Speaker Johnson announced the spending deal. Uh, there's no money to fix the border. But there's also no more money for Ukraine or or for uh, Israel. I think that's the second part. We'll wait and see. Uh, there is a Secret Service memo that came out that debunks a lot of the claims from the January 6th committee that said, you know, uh, Donald Trump planned on going up to the Capitol. No, the Secret Service emails and memos debunk all of that. All of it. So uh, I'm sorry, Liz Cheney, but uh, you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. If you want to see some great video, watch, uh, it's about nine minutes, Elise Stefanik taking apart Kristen Welker on Meet the Press yesterday. I tweeted out a link to it. I'll post it again. And uh, I'm not going to spend any time, really, on the Golden Globes that happened on Sunday night. I'm, I'm not watching award shows. But I will give Jim Gaffigan a thumbs up. For one joke, there was one joke, and I'm not a Gaffigan fan. He's kind of gone off the reservation and is pretty left these days. But uh, here's Jim Gaffigan last night on the Golden Globes. The Golden Globes. I mean, I, I can't even believe I'm in the entertainment industry. I can't. I, you know, it's so unlikely. I'm from a small town in Indiana. I'm not a pedophile. You know, I, I give him a smile for that one. It's not even close to the 
incredible evisceration that uh, Ricky Gervais delivered to the Golden Globes audience in uh, 2020, I guess, was the last time he was there. It goes on for about seven minutes. Let me give you the best minute in 42 seconds. In this room are some of the most important TV and film executives in the world, people from every background, but they all have one thing in common. They're all terrified of Ronan Farrow. (laughs) He's coming for you. He's coming for you. Look, talking of all you perverts, it was a big year. It was a big year for paedophile movies. Um, Surviving R. Kelly, Leaving Neverland, Two Popes. (laughs) Shut up. Shut up. I don't care. I don't care. No one cares about movies anymore. No one goes to the cinema. No one really watches network TV. Everyone's watching Netflix. This show should just be me coming out going, well done, Netflix, you win everything. Good night. But no, no, we've got to drag it out for three hours. You could binge watch the entire first season of Afterlife instead of watching this show. That, that's a show about a man who wants to kill himself because his wife dies of cancer. And it's still more fun than this, OK? <laughs> Spoiler alert, um, season two is on the way. So in the end, he obviously didn't kill himself. Just like Jeffrey Epstein. Shut up. I know he's your friend, but I don't care. (laughs) You had to make your own way here in your own plane, didn't you? So, if you do win an award tonight, don't use it as a a platform to make a political speech, right? You're in no position to lecture the public about anything. You know nothing about the real world. Most of you spent less time in school than Greta Thunberg. So, if you win, right... Come up, accept your little award, thank your agent and your God, and off. Okay? Perfect. That that was the the last great Golden Globe speech, and apparently the guy last night was considered to be terrible. I'll give him a pass because he he only got the gig about 12 days ago. And most of these hosts have months and a staff of writers who will come up with all the jokes. I still didn't watch, and I'm not going to watch the Oscars either. You can get it all by watching the clips, can't you? Yeah, the clips take care of everything. You don't have to waste three or four hours. Uh, Other things we're watching today, the protests, the pro-Palestinian, anti-Israel protests are getting bolder. They apparently cut off entrances to uh, New York City today, three bridges and the Holland Tunnel. That's not going to go over well. You're not going to win any any hearts and minds by making people late for work or worse. What if somebody's in an ambulance trying to get somewhere? I'm still going to do more on the World Economic Forum. We have an entire group of clips that we need time to play and uh, spend considerable time on those uh, because uh, things are just getting too crazy. But we have our buddy Jim Stovall. Yeah, the guy behind more than 50 books, The Winner's Wisdom column we talk about every week. Uh, Jim is with us, and uh, I haven't talked to him since since last year. So it's appropriate for me to welcome Jim in and say, Happy New Year, Jim Stovall. Well, Happy New Year to you. I think it's going to be a great year because, uh, you know, really it's a decision. And it doesn't matter what's going on on Wall Street or in the White House. It's your street and your house. It matters, and we all get to decide that. And don't get caught up in all the news. You know, the you know the the news is not what's normal. The news is not what's prevalent. The news is what's weird 
and offbeat, and that's what's happening. You know, what really happens today and will happen throughout 2024 is good people will take care of their families, get up, go to work, do the best they can for the people they serve, and uh, move ahead one step at a time in their life. And if we'll remember that and remember the the news and all the things that are in your face, those are anomalies. Those are the weird things that happen. I, I love this approach, especially as we're kicking off a year and I'm going to be stealing, borrowing, crediting as well. It's not the White House and Wall Street. It's your house and your street. I think that's great, simple, direct advice, Jim. But I, I also am digging this, uh, this column that is taking us back to basics when it comes to looking at 2024, especially from a financial point of view. What's the big lesson we're taking out of investing 101 here? Well, um, you know, for, for over 25 years, Psychology Today has done this survey of uh, what are people's hopes and dreams and goals as relating to moving into the new year. And the, the top three have never varied. You know, people want to lose weight, gain money, and be in a great relationship. And we'll be dealing with all three of those in, uh, in a coming uh, Winner's Wisdom column. But, you know, I thought with respect to investment, there's so many things that you can get caught up in, in, in the weeds and miss the main point. And I've been watching a lot of football, as everybody did over the holidays. And, you know, no matter how complicated uh, and difficult these plays are, it still comes down to blocking and tackling. The team that can block and tackle is going to win, and the, and the team that doesn't won't. And that's all there is to it. Well, investing is much the same. I mean, there, there, there's a million permutations, and there's a lot of things you can do. But there are some basics. And when I was very young and extremely poor, I, I used to go to these investment seminars. And they, this guy with a nice suit would stand up there and he would say, okay, I'm this guy and here's my credentials. And um, now let's get started. Let's assume you have $100,000 to invest. And I'm thinking, no, no, let's assume you have no money. And I, that's where I was. And I assume many of their other people at this seminar were in the same boat and 80 percent of americans don't have a hundred hundred thousand dollars in net worth even including their 401k and the equity in their house so you know let's start with basics no matter who you are where you are if you want to improve your financial condition you've got to spend less than you earn now that seems basic but our our elected officials in washington cannot grasp this concept you you've got to spend less than you earn and then the only way you, you, you can invest anything is with the difference. And you've got to get out of debt. There, there are no investments if you're in debt. And uh, the best return you'll ever get on your money is, is using it to wipe out uh, you know, 18 or 20 or 22% credit card debt. That, that is a great return on your money. And then if you have a job where your employer does a full match on the 401K, you have got to do this. I, I remember when we first implemented this years and years ago, I told my team, now this is totally your choice, and I'm not supposed to get involved with it, but anyone smart enough to work here for me will, will do this. And so if you don't, uh, just you know, get ready. Because, uh, <laughs> it, it, I mean, you're investing money that you would have sent to Washington. I'll match you on it, and you don't have to pay taxes on it. I mean, uh, Wow, you're investing thirty-five or forty cent dollars, and you you gotta grab that if you can. So you know those are just a few of the things, but it's amazing how many people aren't doing that. They're looking for the magic bullet, which stock is going to triple, or which. No, you gotta spend 
less than you earn, pay off your debt, get an emergency fund of six months worth of your expenses so you can sleep at night, and then just start investing in in indexes in the whole market. It's just that simple. Recently, I I settled an estate for a gentleman who uh, he... He had never earned $100,000. He was the only income in his family, never earned $100,000, never invested in equities, uh, you know, paid his bills, and when he died, he had uh, several million dollars. And it's just, um, it's just a matter of being prudent and letting it build up. The fastest-growing group of self-made millionaires are the 401K millionaires, and one of the biggest groups in that our teachers. Let's face it, guys. We realize uh, school teachers aren't aren't at the top of the earning food chain, but because of the uh, the retirement they have and uh, they're encouraged to get into this, there's a lot of school teachers retiring multimillionaires, and it's it's a wonderful thing. And it, and it's a simple thing. <clears throat> Excuse yeah, me. as in most things, most truths, Mike. It's simple. It's not easy. Uh, the big three: losing weight, gaining money having a great relationship are pretty simple basics. They're equations that work. Now, simple is not easy. I mean, that's, that's like I, I had a friend that paid an inordinate amount of money to play a round of golf with Tiger Woods, and, uh, you know, he, Tiger didn't talk to me, so he, the guy tees up and he said, um, you have any advice? He said, yeah, hit it in the fairway. He said, well, then after that, <laughs> then hit it in the hole. That's, and, you know, and that's basic good advice. But it's very simple, basic, good advice, but not very easy. Yeah. And then later he said, what do you do when you hit in the rough? He said, I don't hit in the rough, so you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> yeah, good advice can be simple, but it's not necessarily easy. But it, right. it, it's all about starting here. And Jim has brought up some of the most basic and powerful advice you can give anybody who wants to set their financial ship straight or get their financial house in order whichever analogy you wish to do and it starts with spending less than you make and then looking at the debt you have and eliminating that expensive 20 and 25 and 30 percent credit card debt and then starting to invest but that that advice about the the at work 401k plans the guy who bought into the government bonds etc the simple stuff does build up, and you've said it very often. Compounding interest is one of the greatest things ever, and it, oh. it, it sneaks up on you, and suddenly you, you've you got money put away for a rainy day. Oh, it's the eighth wonder of the world. It's just amazing what it'll do over time. We're kicking off a year, so let's focus on those simple things. And eventually, the hard work will be done, and you'll reap the benefit. Uh, Jim, I can't wait to see what 2024 brings for us. Uh, I'm very hopeful, as I try to be at the beginning of every year, and I hope at the end of the year we can say, you know, we were right to be hopeful at the beginning of 2024. But I'll start with just today, my friend. Absolutely. One day at a time, and uh, Happy New Year to you and everyone listening. Thank you, Jim. Go to jimstovel.com, sign up, get the Winner's Wisdom column delivered in your inbox every week, and then hang out with us. We'll discuss it again next week. Thanks again, Jim. Thank you. And there he goes, and here I go. It is uh, Monday's podcast wrapping up here. 
on the Puro Pelka podcast. Remember, go to puropelka.com to see the stories that are catching my eye and should be catching yours as well. Till next time, testudo, my friends. Testudo.